Angela. I'm Naomi, and welcome to Queerly Yours. We are two queer, polyamorous folks who have often been asked for relationship advice by friends, so we decided to put our insights on the internet. This is a podcast about how we have built our relationship over time, and how you can build yours too. And today, we are trying to get back into the swing of things. The previous episode also said that, because that time we were also trying to get back into the swing of things. And then life kept happening, and we didn't record again for several months. And I was too tired and full of grief and weird emotions to edit anything. So now we are, in theory, maybe more actually back. We are going to try to be more actually back. For context, uh, my mother has passed away, and so there's been a lot of difficulty with uh, losing her and the funeral process, which has been sort of extended over a month, two month long period. So it's been a while since we've actually had the capacity and just focus to actually try and sit down and record for one of these and also try and find a relationship topic that we feel isn't too, I guess, raw or intense for us to engage with. Yeah, like family stuff would be great to talk about, I'm sure. Grief would be great to talk about, but those all feel a little big. Kind of the other thing that happened since we last recorded as well is we are in some new relationship formats in ways that are really cool and lovely, but that also makes a lot of discussions about relationships feel kind of raw and tender, and I don't really want to record something that makes our other partners feel like we are talking hyper-directly about them in the format of what's still a pretty new thing. That and also we haven't as of yet checked in with them about directly mentioning them much on this kind of format, so this is just our way of trying to respect their not only their privacy but also the current growing connections or non-connections, depending on how things work out, that those might turn out to be. I think it's fair to say there's connections regardless, but I mean, yes, <laughs> I get what you but, but format I, is. Yeah, we're, we're, this is a lot of uh, new stuff for both of us in a way, and we're just trying to figure it out in a way that respects where everyone is at and everyone's capacity, which when you have four 20-somethings with various states of mental health stuff going on, it's uh, capacity is a weird word. Oh, yeah. And 2020 has been a weird year, and I know that's not just the case for us, that's the case for a lot of people on a lot of fronts. So we're figuring it out. So we had a bunch of really cool prompts that we do want to get to in the longer term, mainly from folks on the Welcome to the Party Discord, which is not a relationship health-related forum necessarily. It's just a very cool tabletop game space, but people do talk about relationships there, and Angela's very involved there. So we continue to be grateful for their real creativity and thoughtfulness in giving us ideas. But their topics are too good and therefore too emotionally intense for us to figure out how to approach right now. We will have to loop back to them later. So we were trying to find something that would feel like a good kind of kickstart to getting back into the swing of this. And I realized that a lot of the websites and resources that I like and that I mention a lot include places like Scarletine. And it has a lot of connected sites, including Love is Respect. And that is a spot that does things like give you healthy relationship quizzes, places that you can go to to try and get a sense of what is the shape and sort of emotional tone of relationships that you're in. Do you feel like they are serving you well, that they are serving others well? And so both in terms of giving us something that we can talk about today, where we have some thoughtful prompts and formats that can help us talk as we try to remember how we do this podcast and how we want to do this podcast we pulled up a quiz that we will, of course, link in the episode description. And we're going to go through and talk with each other about how our relationship is, what it looks and feels like, and give it a little bit of a health check together. 
So a relatively light and easy topic with no emotional intensity attached whatsoever. Oh, so light and easy and chill. The chillest. <laughs> but so we have uh, the document, both of us. We're literally sitting in my room in the basement floor of uh, the household we live in with our phones having uh, the relationship quiz pulled up. It is from the lovesrespect.org website, which we saw linked through Scarletine uh, based off uh, where Naomi originally remembered seeing it. So I'm going to sort of read through just the general main textual formats, and then we'll start answering the questions in it. The overall sort of quiz is 26 questions long with its own sort of grading process at the end of it that folks can look up individually as well, and we will go over once we have our final score total. But uh, we'll just go through each of these, and the starting text data, data, text, starting text reads as follows. Everyone deserves to be in a safe and healthy relationship. Do you know if your relationship is healthy? Answer yes or no to the following questions to find out. Make sure to check the boxes to record your responses. At the end, you'll find out how to score your answers. So the first question is, the person I'm with, or rather, rather than question, it's a statement, is the person I'm with is number one is very supportive of things that I do, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say very much yes. And Naomi, even on days where I feel very terrible or down, is very supportive about me getting back into doing writing, trying to do freelance work, trying to get up the focus and energy to do music themes and uh, commissions for people who might be interested in them. And it's I have a lot of insecurities and self-esteem like low self-esteem when it comes to a lot of those projects and Naomi is very supportive and has always been very supportive about all of those kinds of things. Yeah, I also feel like there's an interesting and useful kind of generality to the phrase things that I do because I feel like what my brain first goes to and it sounds like that was true for you as well, hun, is our creative work. But I feel like I can also picture that applying to things like more official jobs that we've had and also to things like eating a food, being social doing laundry, being emotionally kind to ourselves. And I feel like I really appreciate the balance we strike on those things too. And especially in terms of thinking about both of our more quote unquote official or professional work lives, I really appreciate that I feel like we have had each other's backs on those fronts in a lot of ways, but also that neither of us thinks of the other person as being their job. That we both know that the things that we do expand beyond what we are officially doing for work. And that we know that that makes the ways we support each other really multidimensional on some fronts. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing really else to add to that one. <laughs> well, There's so. 26 questions, so we don't have to <laughs> we don't have to linger unless we really want to. Yeah. Next one is very good. The person I'm with encourages me to try new things. I would say so. I, I would yeah. say yes to that. I, mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily it's something we jump into like every single week, per se. Partially because of money, partially because of time and energy. Yeah. But I, I do think... Uh, it's funny, that'll be the first one to bring this up. I do think uh, sexual capacity that has come up as of late. And it's, I was going to say I could make dirty jokes, but I won't. But you beat me. It, well, it's less, it's less dirty jokes and more like I will preemptively cut, uh, undercut your dirty joke and go into sincere, <laughs> affirming, intense, emotionally real place. That's because, why I love you. Yeah, that's what happens. We trade off who does that. Yeah. But no, there, there's been a lot of getting reacquainted, not only with my own body, but with the interests I might have. But I, I think overall there there is a tendency for us to be very encouraging with one another when it comes to new things, especially when we're both nervous about them, especially how financially they might turn out. Yeah. I'd say overall there's 
Yeah, I think we both try our best to encourage one another to try new things. Yeah, you've tried a number of new foods because of me, I know. We've gotten to watch each other do a lot of new approaches and activities in our game design work and in the kind of like facilitation we do and events that we go to and host. And I think we've also affirmed a lot of gender things for each other, thinking in longer term. I feel like that's still true now, but feels on some fronts less intense than it did when we were both younger in our sense of transness. But I know we encouraged and affirmed each other's like gender expression and the things we wore and the things that we were nervous about trying but wanted to try. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting that one. Yeah. Number three, the person I'm with likes to listen when I have something on my mind. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, how often I am capable of actually getting to the point of saying what's on my mind is a very different question, but I'd say Naomi's really good at actually being there for me and knowing how to be patient when I'm in those moods where it's difficult for me to explain exactly what's on my mind. I feel the same about you. I feel like we make a lot of space for each other for that. And it doesn't mean it's easy. I kind of like that this doesn't say is great at listening. It says likes to listen. <laughs> we might not always know how, but we do want to try. Yeah, I, I do think that there's effort being made and a lot of that effort counts for something. Agreed. Number four is the person I'm with understands that I have my own life too. Yes, I would say yes. that most definitely. I think we've actually tried to prioritize that uh, in mid and later parts of our relationship thus far. I think early mm -hmm. on there was a lot of earnest connection with one another but even then we were trying to like balance out when we were initially in our trial run period of this yeah. relationship and i i was pretty explicit like hey we need to trial run this i don't know what kind of commitment i can promise i don't want to promise something i can't give yeah i like that one a lot because i feel like also too it's not that we aren't super enmeshed in all kinds of ways we are sitting in the living space that we share while we are recording this but also we have our own rooms and we've talked about that, too, on this podcast, among other places. But I feel like so much culturally pushes couples to think of each other as inherently enmeshed and of their lives as this combined state. I think, for me at least, that's part of why I really try to remember and prioritize what feels like the things that are mine are about me and that I want Angela to have that space, too. Because there are a lot of other cultural forces that don't encourage us to lean into that. So that feels important to preserve and to make space for intentionally, the fact that we have our own lives. Number five, the person I'm with is not liked very well by my friends. No, no, my friends typically really love being around Naomi. We've had partnerships and relationships occur because they also really love the way that Naomi is as a person. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> very much same page for me. We don't have all the exact same friends, but that's not, generally speaking, because we have friends who don't like the other person it's because again kind of go back to the previous question we have our own lives there are people that angela knows better and people that i know better or people where one of us have a shared format with the other person that the other one doesn't but generally when i've met angela's friends they've been cool as hell number six the person i'm with says i'm too involved in different activities I think this is only a very situationally yes for me towards you and that's that's more when, actually, no, I think we've both said this to each other at different points. And that's more when we're looking like we're kind of getting pulled apart at the seams for trying to do too many things at once. Yeah, it's not a don't have activities. It's a, it's 3 a.m. Why are you playing video games with people you don't enjoy listening to, my love? Could you in sleep instead, perhaps? Yeah, that's a thing I'm working on. I'm trying really hard. 
And from your side, it's like, Naomi, is this a project you need to do, or did you make this a project? You seem very anxious about it. Does it have to be a project? Do you have to do it now? You have to make it a project now. <laughs> yes. Which is also a very important one, because Naomi is very good at planning and organizing a whole bunch of different things and how it, things could go. Whether or not that's what the people involved in said activity actually want is another thing entirely, and something that they're a lot better at figuring out than I think they used to be. Yeah, agreed. Number seven, texts me or calls me all the time. No. No, and I, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we, we text each other every now and then, and it's wavered back and forth between who's the one mainly do, initiating the text. I think Naomi has oftentimes been the one texting, but I've done that back and forth at times as well. And I think it's not from lack of, like, I want to hear from my partner. Naomi's just been the one to take the initiative on that. And It's because I wake up earlier and I leave the house, and so then I text you because I didn't get to say good morning because I didn't want to wake you up. Yeah. It's usually a lot of stuff like that. And it's also over the years, it's just been one of those things where like when it has become a problem, we've talked about it directly. Where you're like, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more. It's like, oh, no, that makes sense. I've just been like anxious or shy or out of it at some points and not sure how to express that, which of course means I should just express that. Because <laughs> that's often the case when that happens. Talk to people are our core tenet of this entire show. I'll also say, I know this is a checkup for the two of us. But that I'm really glad, and they already know I have the podcast and are much longer running as a relationship. Danny, I've been with three years. We had uh, some pretty intense but very good discussions lately about how much we contact each other and trying to make sure that we were making an amount of space for that that felt good and made us feel connected. Um, because sometimes it's hard to make that space. Like, there's definitely a balance point. And I think in the context of this checklist, it's one of those things where getting texted or called all the time can be a dangerous or a possessive gesture. But also, you know, getting ignored or frozen out, it's also a sense of what is the format of the relationship? Do you feel like you can get info that's important or logistically necessary from people? And so it's really about thinking, does it feel like there's a balance? And do you feel like you're allowed to change that balance if something isn't working? Because if you don't feel like the other person or people are willing or able to figure out a new strategy for communicating, if what you have isn't working, that's not good. Oh, I lost, I lost track of our turns. Number eight. The person I'm with thinks I spend too much time trying to look nice. Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's also one of those things where I frankly want to just be, like, I want to be blunt in saying it's like, if you're not willing to, to like, wait around for me to be all nice and and pretty and stuff go find another femme just, <laughs> i'm sorry this is just how it's gonna be i can i can be fast you know i can be faster on some occasions but on times where i'm like trying to look nice it's it's gonna take a while i also i don't think you even take that long i feel like that's a very relative concept and some of what you are taking time on i mean i there are things i don't understand i don't understand how much longer it takes you to brush your teeth than it takes me to brush my teeth um but there are just some realities that I will never comprehend. It takes me eight minutes to brush my teeth. It takes me two minutes to brush my teeth. I don't hang out with the toothbrush in my mouth while not actually brushing. I brush my teeth while I'm hanging out. I know, but like, what is? How does it happen? Do you do it sporadically? I don't. I still don't understand. No, because I do twenty seconds for for the front, the uh -huh. middle, and the back of each tooth. The medical recommendation is two minutes to brush all of your teeth. No, that was never what I got last time I went to a dentist. 
When did you last go to a dentist? Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told to brush less hard so that I stop damaging my gums by overbrushing, so... Well, we'll see how this turns out we at will. a later point. We, we've digressed a little bit. Yeah, only but... <laughs> a little bit, but I feel like if, if y'all are turning in for something much more directly focused, you've gone to the wrong podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's not what podcasts are for anyway. This is a relational, conversational show, and people know that, I think. Yeah. The, the point is, neither of us judge the other person for having grooming rituals that are important to them. We're confused. Also, sometimes confused, but that's not on the level of negativity that's... Mainly the toothbrushing thing, honestly. That's about it. <laughs> That's the one part that I that didn't make sense to me. But now I know more about it. I didn't know you were following a dentist recommendation. I just thought you liked hanging out with a toothbrush in your mouth, and that confused me. I also don't mind doing that, but it's yeah. less of the reason See, why I, I do it. I hate that. I don't want a toothbrush in my mouth for a second longer than I'm required to, because I don't like the feeling of toothpaste in my mouth at all. It grosses me out. I just know it's important, and I hate cavities, so I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've digressed again. Uh, I will say, before we move on to that question, the one other thing I wanted to say about it is that part of what takes both of us time in grooming is that we're trans. There's important shit we need to do to feel emotionally safe leaving the house, so fuck anybody who makes you feel like you're not allowed to do that. That's, like, safety and survival and emotional stability. When I was at my job, I literally missed the time window to get a bus transfer that would have cost me less money than a lift because I needed to shave to feel, like, okay for that day of work because the work was very stressful emotionally. Like, that's just kind of a thing that I need time for at some points. It's just a thing. We understand that that's a thing. Exactly. And knowing what's emotionally important to your partner is important. I don't have a lot more to say about that. It's just important. Number nine, the person I'm with gets extremely jealous or possessive. Nah. Jealous maybe at some points. But extremely? No. Yeah. We've, I don't think either of us has ever particularly gone in that route. And if we have, it's usually been prompted by a conversation we've had where it's like, oh, I did not realize I was doing that. Shit. I will work on that. Yeah, exactly. I think generally speaking, we try not to make jealousy into the other person's problem but understand it as a signal about something that's going on emotionally that maybe it would be good to talk about, but the answer to it is not possessiveness. That and also, like, uh, I, I've written about this in another article that I wrote for uh, online publication, but jealousy is always jealousy of a thing in particular. It's not just a random feeling. It's usually of something specific. It's like, do you miss... Is it the sex they're getting to have with someone? Is it the time they get to spend with them? It's usually of something in particular, of yeah. something missing. Not that, like, you are being too much. Like, it might be something that is your problem as the jealous person. But there's usually some reason why. It's a tar It's targeted towards something. It's a very specific emotion. And when you can locate it, you have more of a sense of what it actually is that you want to address or that is affecting you. Because, yeah, I, I'm thinking of times where I felt jealous, and yeah, often it's been time, especially when we were long distance, knowing that there were folks who got to see you in person. It wasn't that I didn't want you and them to get to have great times together, but there was a pain and frustration to being like, oh, but I'm not there, and it would be so cool to be in the same place. And again, that's a case where like that feeling makes sense, but it was also my responsibility to not take that to an extreme place and understand that for what it is, something that can be reasonable, but also like, it doesn't mean that it's then your responsibility to drop that on your partner in a mean or pushy way. That's a feeling that you're having that's telling you something about how you're doing and what's important to you. Is it mine again? Yeah. Ten. 
The person I'm with accuses me of flirting or cheating. No, no. not really. I mean, you don't really have to accuse me of flirting. We do people. flirt. We, we both do. flirt. We just do that. That's not accusatory. No, that's just a statement of how we interact with people. And on some, on some occasions, without necessarily trying to do so. True. We just apparently are very charming to people. I yes. have still yet to understand it in its totality. I understand it more... I'm, and that's a development for me. That's growth. I'm able to understand about 60-70% of the reason why people <laughs> might find me charming. Mm -hmm. I still don't understand all of it, though I'm certain Naomi could attest to it in lengthy manners. Oh, yes, I could. I absolutely could. But no, never really accused of flirting or cheating. If there's a thing, if there's a confusion about like who we've been spending our time or what's been happening, we check in about it. Exactly, and that's not accusations of cheating. That's, hey, how are we feeling? How are we doing emotionally? What are our boundaries? Do we feel like we're clear on what those are with each other? Do we feel like other people are clear on what those are? Are we communicating them well? Are we feeling emotionally grounded and safe? And what do and don't we have control over? Because we can make choices about actions. We can't necessarily make choices about feelings. But we can still talk about feelings when they come up. Number 11. The person I'm with constantly checks up on me or makes me check in. I think we only ever really check in a lot more when we're worried about how the other person's doing emotionally and like especially either depressed or anxious states. We both get into worrying spaces for the other, but I don't think we ever really start checking to a point that's obsessive or pushy. I think there have been times in the past where it was intense, but it wasn't because we were trying to control the other person, it's because we were panicking. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's, I'm, mainly, I'm mainly speaking for myself here. You can speak for yourself on that front. No, there have been times where I have panicked about how you were doing and not been sure what to do and tried a big flurry of a bunch of things because I wanted to feel like it was fixable or like there was something I could do. Yeah, and at some points it's just like, this is just kind of a thing I need to write out until I can get over the wall and some of it can be active talking to get through that point and some of it is not. Some of it is just, this is a shitty space and I need to figure out at what point my head will stop building a wall. Yeah, and I feel like now more frequently where we land, at least for me, if I can tell you're in a rough spot a lot of what I do is ask what would feel helpful or to just kind of acknowledge try to acknowledge that it seems like you're in a rough spot so that you know it's visible and that you know that I am paying attention and care and also to know that there are ways that you say I'm fine that mean you're absolutely not fine and that it's fair to hang around and check in a little bit and remind you that you're allowed to have the emotional space to admit that's happening yeah number 12 the person I'm with controls what I wear or how I look. Fuck no. Nope. I don't even think I could if I wanted to. Nor no, do, you nor, couldn't. Nor do I want to. I had an ex try. It didn't work either, either with him. <laughs> Cannot be contained. Neither can you. That's the best way. 13. The person I'm with tries to control what I do and who I see. Nah. No. We, we genuinely try and avoid that kind of thing. Because we check in about like when we're involved in new things with people, and that gets into other areas I won't get into more detail about, but outside of just letting the other person know, like, hey, I'm going to be doing this thing, or might be trying this with someone else, like, we don't really try and control what the other person does or who they see. We try and give a fair amount of boundaries and understanding for one another when we're involved with other people, or just doing other things because we're living our own lives as well as being involved in a partnership with one another. Yeah, like, we don't, there's not a lot of permission asking outside of, like, health and safety boundaries, like, talking about STI testing or 
having, you know, we don't have to know exactly where the other person is physically at all times, but, like, we do live together, so we do communicate about logistics, like, whether or not we're going to be in the same spot for dinner, or I usually say roughly what time I'll be home. And that's not even because you say, let me know what time you'll be home. That just feels like a nice thing to do. Yeah. So that you know where I'll, when I'll be around. It helps me for if I'm planning to do dinner, like, how much time I have to prep. and do something. Yeah, it's logistics. It's not, like... It's not something that you have made me feel I have to do. It just feels useful to do. I do it when I feel like it would be useful. Agreed. 14. The person I'm with tries to keep me from seeing or talking to my family and friends. No, although I would say for me the only like caveat to put to that is in relation to blood family that has been transphobic towards me. I think the most my that Naomi has ever been around that is like, just be careful but I don't think that Naomi's ever actively tried to control my talking to them. No, also, again, I, I couldn't. Yeah, also you I couldn't. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, and that's less from a, like, actively trying to control and, uh, what I do and who I talk to and more of a, like, they're worried about me. And that's a very different thing than what I think this question Vastly. is getting at. Though it is worth noting that for people who are being controlling... I'm just worried about you is definitely still a thing that can be said and used as a justification. So the fact that I'm worried about you doesn't mean that it's impossible for me to be pushy or set weird boundaries. But yeah, in this case, it's very much not a format of me going, you can't talk to them. It's more me going, you do know slash please remember that you are not required to talk to them because they're being very cruel to you. Yeah, and that that's that's that, that's a very specific and different thing that I just wanted to put more detail on the answer to that one, in part because I think it was necessary to bring up. It's like someone can be doing that in a very in, in a concerned manner that is still controlling, and also someone can be doing that in a way that's not controlling. But we have to put the caveat and note that Naomi did about like that can still be used to manipulate. I can firmly say Naomi has not done that. Naomi has just tried to watch out for me because I have family members who I still they connected with who have been transphobic and it's really painful for me to do that and Naomi understands that and wants the best for me but does not control whether or not I actively still talk with them yeah you still get to make that call but I feel like my job is to remind you that you get to make an active decision and that you're also not stuck following whatever kind of decision they want to make about how much they contact you number 15 has big mood swings. My person I'm with has big mood swings, getting angry and yelling at me one minute, but being sweet and apologetic the next. No. No. That has never happened. Never. In any capacity between either of us. We've known people who've had those relationships. Yeah. Yeah, we have. But for us, no. I have never felt like Naomi has... There's never been a honeymoon period and that's gone back to an abusive period with Naomi. Naomi, we've had just... If we've ever had rough patches, it's just been from lack of communication and lock, and just not talking to each other for a bit and being uneasy, at least from my perspective and my end, about wanting to say certain things that are happening. But that's not because Naomi has been unsafe. It is just because I have a lot of hang-ups about being clear about what I want to say because I'm always nervous about being honest about what's on my mind. Yes, it's shame and anxiety, not either of us creating an unsafe environment. Number 16... The person I'm with makes me feel nervous or like I'm walking on eggshells. No, I don't think that has ever been something I've had to worry about with Naomi. If I'm nervous about talking about things with Naomi, it's more because I'm 
anxious as fuck person. I'm very anxious. Agreed. There are definitely times where I have felt nervous about conversations with you, but walking on eggshells is not the framing that I would use at all, because it's not a fear of you or a fear that there's something awful and dangerous about talking to you. It's shame and anxiety about whether or not my feelings are reasonable or make sense, or that I'm going to be able to articulate them well. And for me, it's if if it comes from a point of saying I worry about upsetting you or disappointing you, that's not because I think you're going to suddenly be angry and do anything violent, harmful, or abusive towards me. It's just because I don't like making anybody sad or hurting anyone in my head. But sometimes, like, hurting someone, quote-unquote, that's to the point of just being clear about what your boundaries are and having to have them stop and understand where you're at. That's that's the conflict and tension that comes up when you're trying to sort out things that let you be respected as a full person, which Naomi respects me as a full person and I respect them in the same way. And some of that hurt that can happen is that kind of necessary conflict that comes up in order to make sure that you're actually being healthy with one another. Yeah, that you admit that you have needs and feelings and that you articulate them to people that you care about. Number 17. The person I'm with puts me down, calls me names, or criticizes me. Never the first two. If there's criticism, it's the part that I would expect from any friend. It's never anything that's just pick at my insecurities or anxieties or any of that. It's just my partner acting like my friend because they are my friend. And a lot of the time how I'm criticizing you is by saying, Angela, would you treat a friend the way you're treating yourself? Yeah. Naomi has to frequently do this as it is their most effective tool to actually get me to take care of myself. Life hack! Tell an anxious person with low self-esteem that they should think about how they would treat a friend going through what they're going through. Often it helps clarify what they should do. Yeah, that's how I left a toxic job. And uh, I've just felt praise for myself for actually doing more in a day than I thought I did when they're like, have, would you say this to a friend that they've done nothing when you makes points to list of things you did today? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> yeah, and pretty similarly, like, you certainly criticize me, but in the form of you give me criticism, not you are pointlessly critical to me. But like, there are plenty of points where I can be critiqued, and you do that thoughtfully and intentionally, both currently and over the course of our whole relationship, including the fact that like, we've talked about this in other episodes, we're an interracial couple. If you are a white person dating a person of color, there will probably be times where they're going to go, don't. <laughs> just just stop. Or, or why? <laughs> and it's your job to stop and go, oh, shit, yeah. Bad. Good point. Because we've, we've had it come up on one occasion, I think way back in like undergrad, yeah. where I had to distinctly point out on the way this has gone just made me feel like the angry person of color in our own suite that we're living in. And that was like, and that was like a clear moment of being like, oh, I have made a mistake. This has not yep. gone well. That was bad. Sorry. I am very sorry about that. And that was really affirming to me because that was the range where it's like, that's being critical of a partner, but that's not for not saying they as a person are irredeemable that's saying the action the specific thing that they did there's something maybe not so great about that which i think is different than criticize criticism that goes to the point of just saying like you are terrible like you fundamentally as a person are bad which is really never i think what any of our criticism tries to aim at or accomplish yeah it's like is the criticism about things that are actionable and that are about your like kindness or thoughtfulness as a person like concrete things that you can work on that you could also imagine 
you yourself or someone else you care about asking another friend to work on, then that's like sharing critique or criticism. Being criticized in the context of this question, I think, yeah, digs into some different things that are more intentionally trying to sort of file down your edges so that you are usefully shaped for another person who is not really thinking about your needs or safety. Number 18. The person I'm with makes me feel like I can't do anything right or blames me for problems. I honestly think you do the opposite, to be fair. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm more often than not at my worst critic and biggest obstacle to just believing I can do a lot of different things because yeah. I'm a very anxious person. I'd say you do the same for me, especially because I think I've noted on this podcast the particular kind of anxiety I have is very focused on senses of control. I have a lot of fear and difficulty with situations that I feel like I can't control or I can't predict the shape or outcomes of. And so sometimes one of the kind of brutal but also very kind things Angela can say or point out to me is, babe, you don't actually have control over this situation or this thing. You didn't fuck that up, both because you didn't fuck that up and also because you can't have fucked that up. You don't have enough influence or authority over this large abstract concept or this other person's actions to be able to have fucked it up. It, it's it's the emotionally gentle way of there. There's I think there was a comic I remember seeing where uh, it's two figures. One's supposed to represent Mother Earth, and the other one is like a smaller individual representing humanity. Where humanity goes up to like Mother Earth, and it's like I'm so sorry I've ruined you for so many ages, and I haven't stopped fucking up, and I'm hoping I can do better. Mother Earth just like goes down, gives it a hug. It's like there, there, dear. I've lived through far more periods of terrible things than you. You don't have the power to do that. Yeah, I'll still be here after you're gone. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the emotionally healthy version of doing that, where I'm yeah. just like, "Hun, you're you're really awesome, and you are really capable. You also don't have that power to do that. You you actually can't do that." Yeah, and sometimes that's a very insu- a soothing and important thing to remember if you're a very anxious person. That the scale of things you can fuck up individually is sometimes much less than you believe it to be. More often than not, it actually is far less than you think possible. Yes. Number 19. The person I'm with makes me feel like no one else would want me. Hard no. No. Once again, the Literal exact opposite. opposite. Because Naomi has had to frequently remind me that I have slept with multiple people throughout the years and multiple people find me currently attractive. People have crushes on you. So many people have crushes on you. It's like a theme. You've had more friends with benefits than me. <laughs> A lot of people like you. I still don't get it. You're a gorgeous, hot, confident, lovely, creative trans woman. You're not everyone's flavor, but you are absolutely the right energy for the people who are into you. And you help people understand and imagine better possibilities for themselves and their own relationship to gender and sexuality just by being you. And that's also wildly attractive to people. I mean, sure there's that, but why would they be interested? This is what we mean. I feel like we referenced this in an earlier question that if needed uh, or even if the faintest option is given to do so, that I can talk for a long time about how cool Angela is. Which, uh, yeah, I'm still getting used to that whole thing. (sighs) Next one's a heavy one. Not that these have been light particularly. Number 20. The person I'm with threatens to hurt me, my friends, or family. No. No. Never happened. If it's if it's ever been said, it's only ever been in jest and towards people who've been actively horribly transphobic towards me within my own family. And even then, Naomi's never actually been serious about following up with them. No, also it's more been coming from 
you on some front saying, please, please do not do this to my relatives. And you were saying it in jest to begin with, too, for the most part. And I'm like, I won't. I have offered to fight your relatives if you would like me to. I think you'd win, but I, I don't think I don't think know that's... if I would, but I'd try. I feel like you're scrappy enough to do it. But I am scrappy, that's true. <laughs> but that is beside the point. That I think for us, there's... Naomi understands how important my family and friends are to me and has never actively ever advocated for any sort of physical violence or even emotional, financial, or exploitative kind of violence towards me, my family, or my friends. Naomi just worries about me, but has never, but has only ever in jest actually stated anything even remotely close to a threat, and that's often prompted by me. Yes, if I needed to defend you against a transphobe physically, I would. That's not the same thing as threatening to hurt people. Oh boy, definitely in the rougher edge of this. Yeah, the, the list sort of built up to it, I think. But these are the kinds of things that I, I think for folks who are coming to this from a less than like pleasant starting point, there are, there are worthwhile questions to consider. That this is, uh, this is a range of difficult topics that might be uncomfortable to broach, but we do try and engage with things that are a bit more difficult at times. Even when we are being light and silly about it, even throughout this, we do try and give the right level of importance to those topics that we know have a lot of intense repercussions for people really thoughtfully chewing on them. So with that being said, uh, 21. A person I would threatens to hurt themselves because of me. No. 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 This has never been anything that I think either of us has ever thought was a good idea or ever really engaged with. And we say this as two people who, like, have experiences with anxiety and depression and... Like, have had, we have both experienced pretty intense self-hatred in different ways, but neither of us have ever tried to use those impulses to try to control the other person. Agreed. And, and I say this openly, being upfront about this, and that I have been suicidal, and Naomi has been with me through periods where I have been very intensely suicidal. However, I have never felt an impulse to use that as a means of getting something out of Naomi. That's never felt fair to them, nor was that in a lot of points ever really the point of that state of being it was just a very painful unpleasant uh i think i remember reading when i was in really terrible states even back as high, far back as high school uh like some thoughts people would give about being suicidal is the uh or in some ways just even being in pain is the point at which the body's capacity for dealing with harm is outweighed by the a level of harm and amount of harm coming into the body. I've never felt like I needed to try and get something out of Naomi from while I was in those states. It never crossed my mind because that was never the point of those states. Yeah, you have never been trying to be suicidal at me. No, it was more just existing being suicidal and it sucked. Yeah, and I'm dating you, so therefore it was something that affected me. But I've also, I have internally checked in with myself at various points in times about whether or not I felt like I would do internal checks of do I still feel at my emotional core that it would be safe and okay to leave Angela if I needed to because that felt like an important emotional safety box to check in terms of my relationship to you being suicidal and yeah I never felt that you were trying to use that to control or push me around it was just something that was happening that was very hard but I still sat with that and thought to myself, too, like, do I have the emotional capacity for this? Am I being a safe and good partner to Angela through this? Because if this is something that I'm deeply bad at dealing with, 
or that I don't have the capacity for, that's important for me to notice too, because I, I owe that to myself and you to keep us both as safe as we can be, even if that means not being together. But also doing the internal sort of anxiety check of, do I feel like she would be safe if I left? And the answer to that's always been yes. And because I know that I could leave, I am still here. And the paradoxes we've talked about, in, yeah. I've talked about in writing, and also we've, I think, discussed in various kinds of ways, is that yeah. sometimes the ability to imagine that this is not going to work out actually creates the space for imagining it working out. Because if you have the sense that you're not bound here by obligation or by a sense of duty, but just a sense of like, I want to be here. This is the hard thing that I have to work at. And I choose to make that call. That sense of agency and choice makes it feel that much better. It makes it feel that much more sustainable. It makes it be a relationship. Yeah. And not just a place that you're stuck. Yep. 22. The person I'm with threatens to destroy my things, parentheses, phone, clothes, laptop, car, etc., end parentheses. Nope. Nope. You've, you've actively advocated for me to try and replace some of the things that I have, like a, like a six-year-old laptop, which we've recorded things on. It's got little voids in the screen. The screen is gradually breaking. It looks like reality is slipping away. It reflects the owner's overall disposition towards the world. Good lord, hon. Number 23. Now, this one is a particularly difficult one and a rather graphic one in the question, so I'm going to give it a couple beats just in case someone wants to not listen at this point because it does involve physical violence. <clears throat> Number 23. The person I'm with grabs, pushes, shoves, chokes, punches, slaps, holds me down, throws things, or hurts me in some way. No. No. Naomi has never actively done any of this towards me. Ever. Same towards you. Not even in jest, really. Like, I think there was, like, one time where you jokingly hit my arm, and I was like, that was harder than I wanted you to hit me on the arm. And I was like, damn it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, the most that's ever happened is, like, we chuck something at one another to, like, catch, and our reflexes were poor. We don't even throw things that much, yeah, just we general in life. That. We're not sporty people. I have better reflexes than you do. Yes. but You play video games. <laughs> I feel like I've somehow been affirmed and burned in that response <laughs> oh, good. all at once. <laughs> good, that was the intent. Well done, dear. Not, and we're not trying to, like, make this a joke. No, just... we really aren't. But in, we're, in all honesty, we've never had anything like this ever happen. We, I think that would have been an immediate breaking point for either of us. Yeah. I hope so. I feel like I know so. And I don't know very many things from an emotional standpoint mm -hmm. at times. I feel like that's one of those where I'm like, this is at least a stop. Yeah. This is a. This needs to be put on hold immediately mm -hmm. and figure out what that was. Yeah, I think with you it would be. I say I hope so because I don't think I've always been able to make that call well for myself in other circumstances. Not the same thing. Yeah. Or twenty four. The person I'm with breaks or throws things to intimidate me. Again, no. Nope. Yeah, I don't want to skim, but I also feel like kind of what I would say about that has been covered by what we said about the previous one. Agreed. Number 25, yells, screams, or humiliates me in front of other people. Not no. with nowhere near the sort of impact or intent that I think this kind of question implies. The most we've ever done towards each other has ever been like a dig at one another jokingly in like a group text format. And that yeah. was like a joke or like a thing to the other person's chagrin, but it's never 
it's never been, I think, with the kind of hostility or intensity that I think this kind of question implies. Yeah, mutual ribbing, where you know that you can tell the other person, hey, that stung, actually. Yeah. Is very different than being in a situation where you feel like you don't have control over how you're being treated or presented to other people. Yeah, I think we've actively tried to always support a full, complex understanding of each other, even when we're talking to others. Yeah, and that, again, is both just personal grounding and also because... I have known people who have done that to others, and I have seen what that does to people, and there have also been times where I've looked back and noticed in retrospect, oh, that was a red flag about someone, that they talked about their partner or someone close to them in that way to me and to others, that that was a way of creating emotional control by creating and controlling a narrative about another person. Number 26. This might also need a few beats of uh, waiting in case folks. Yeah. It's, it involves this uh, mentioning at least implied sexual violence. Yeah, and I can mark in the like notes or descriptions for this podcast like how far to skip ahead for things too if people want to skip sections because yeah, this is this references like sexual coercion and assault. Number 26. The person I'm with pressures or forces me into having sex or going farther than I want to. No. No. If there's ever been moments where we've been involved in some sort of sexual act and suddenly it feels too far, we stop. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's always inherently like easy or simple, but that it hasn't been complex because someone is trying to force the other person towards something. It's complex because we're both anxious people with our own levels of shame and communication reflexes. And I know there are times where I have tried to make myself feel more okay with something than I actually am in the moment, but I can't do that for very long. Like, that that pretty much always culminates in me going, hey, actually, I do need to stop. And, and I've dissociated at times being involved, not even necessarily with Naomi, but with other people during sexual acts, and that's at times, for me, I'm giving the very major caveat for me, that was not them trying to pressure me into something that I was not interested in. That is me as a survivor trying to process a whole bunch of things and then suddenly having flashbacks or being triggered or having a trauma response that was like shit I did not realize that w that was going to happen or more often than not when it, I realize it in retrospect that that was was going to happen there's a lot within to unpack within that I am one survivor speaking from her own perspective about how folks can respond to that I have never felt like anyone beyond my original assailant uh, has ever actively tried to pressure me into something farther and if they did there was an immediate apology of like shit I went past a boundary sorry we will talk about that and whether or not that's even an act we want to broach doing again or if ever or in certain capacities yeah and that again is a thing where I feel like one of the things that really creates and cultivates physical and emotional safety in our relationship and in other relationships that are important to us is just how someone responds to being told no. And that both applies to physical intimacy and that applies more broadly. And I feel like something that I do pretty intentionally at this point with new people is check how they respond to no's in a range of situations. Like if there's something that I'm not feeling like doing or something I want to change or amend, I watch how people react because it's important to see that folks know how to accept no's gracefully. And the best circumstances for me are generally ones where, yeah, people know that a no is important and that a no is a gift because it means that you're being your honest self with them and that you're admitting that you're a person with boundaries and limits. 
And with that, we are entirely done with the quiz. Now, I will, for the purposes, just for folks who do want to be involved with uh, scoring themselves, if they are doing this at home or another some other space where they're listening to this, there is actually a scoring chart for this that also comes with the quiz and document, where you are. I, I don't think necessarily because of our format, we need to go through that. I yeah. think a lot, a lot of the, a lot of us doing this was just sort of to do an intake on the healthiness of our relationship. But if you are interested. I'm certain Naomi will be able to link this as part of the yes, I will materials for the podcast. But a lot of what the scoring section does go over is certain sections of questions are ones that will have different uh, point values to them, particularly the last question from nine onwards. There's a lot of uh, even from my rudimentary and passing knowledge of uh, questionnaires devoted to abusive or toxic relationships. This is a a very well done quiz in terms of just thinking about what are the minor things that might be okay, these are kind of red flags versus the things that are like, these are very, very scary things to have happen with a partner. And that's a sign that maybe you're in a relationship that's not so great. Yeah, it's sort of a graduated scoring system where there are things at the beginning that include some signs of positives in relationships. And then there are some ones that might might indicate some concerns, but kind of as we talked through too, can be multidimensional or have, you know, like there can be contexts where say like being worried about Angela talking to transphobic family is not me trying to limit her ability to have connections to family, but the narrative of I'm just worried about you is still one that could be a red flag and that still exists. But then kind of the further you get through the questions, as I'm sure you all heard as we went through them, it hits a point where what are being described are pretty distinctive red flags where they are really worth paying attention to and addressing, and there aren't a lot of cases where they indicate that there is no issue. It might not be this person is an inherently and completely evil person, but it means something isn't working here. This isn't a physically or emotionally safe setting. Because even one yes answer to things near the end of the quiz scores you high enough that the quiz recommends that you think about your relationship safety and if there are resources and support that you need. Yeah, we started this in sort of a like lighter kind of note and we got, because we realized with the questions getting more intense, that we moved into a little bit more of a serious direction. But I think it was good because sometimes there's elements of the relationship where it's like, yeah, these are things we're trying to watch out for and be mindful of. And then other things where I'm like, yeah, no, I don't pay attention to that. And some of that might be, oh, shit, I, I really should pay attention to that as for anyone who's listening to this and realizing they may be in a situation that is very difficult and hard to accept. And some of the not paying attention to it is because for us, as I'm sure many of you who are listening were able to tell, for like questions 23 through 26, we were like, no, there's an immediate no, we do not have, we have never had those issues with each other. Yeah, also, frankly, most of those were not even things that happened when I was in a relationship that was dangerous to me. The ways that she was dangerous did not involve throwing things or breaking things. They were mildly subtler, but they were still there. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing for us that, that's very necessary for us to point out, is that the things that can be toxic about a relationship don't they don't go straight to like I guess if we're using the quiz as sort of our reference point here like questions 21 through 26 are quite intense on the scale but 
15 through like 19 are still kind of intense and bad, but they're often subtler. Yeah, and it's also a thing, I know that an internal narrative that a lot of folks can end up with is, well, it isn't actually that bad or it could be worse. Even this quiz, which literally puts numeric values on how bad things are, would still tell you that those things count. It literally says that those things still count and are still worth paying attention to. Just because someone isn't obviously yelling at you doesn't mean everything is okay. It doesn't mean they're being kind. It doesn't mean they're paying attention to your needs. It doesn't mean that you have the physical and emotional space to be your whole self. And I'll say this in in getting at the subtler aspects that I think one of the questions I think is really helpful to address, the one that's about makes me feel like no one else would want me. I have that thought very often, and Naomi is very quick to dispel that notion by pointing out the multiple people who have slept with me and are still interested in me and want friendships or friends with benefits or might want to date me. But, that's, yeah, but that's something that that is a feeling that might come up for a lot of different reasons, because of body type, because of gender identity, because of race or class. There's a lot in the overlap of all of those different factors. Mental health. Like... There is a sense that a lot of people might have that like, oh, they found someone who's great. They're not perfect and it could be worse, but that's the point. That's what a lot of folks who are toxic, whether intentionally or not, can, I don't want to say thrive because I feel like that can imply a little bit more intention than is the case for everyone, but for some folks Can mobilize someone's vulnerability. Exactly. Is you play off of that insecurity that that kind of question gets at the heart out of it's like makes you feel like you couldn't have anyone else it's like by all accounts there is probably someone else what you choose to make in a relationship with anyone is intentional is what you create together not what someone gives you you're not someone who is pitied into having a relationship you're someone who has had always always had and always will have agency to be involved with someone and also even if it is not easy or simple to date someone else that doesn't mean you have to stay with someone who is being cruel to you. You still have value whether or not you are dating someone. And I realized, especially when we were talking about it earlier, I did focus on the fact like, yes, other people actively like you, have crushes on you, want to sleep with you. That's also not your only way in which you're valuable and also not the only way in which you're wanted. There are people who love and care for you deeply as a friend, who love what you do creatively. Like, there are many other ways in which you're valued. I think overall in thinking over the quiz and just what I imagine our results would be, yeah, we would probably have some things that might be like take pause. But when we talk it out and figure it out for ourselves, I think we're in a pretty good place for a relationship overall. I think we've tried to cultivate something that is loving, wonderful, and gives a lot of space for us to be full people, which I think can be very hard to do at times and it takes a lot of effort and energy and a lot of sense of being humbled at some points of when you make mistakes but that's that's really also the uh, the other element that we've harped a lot about on the show that outside of communication and it being work sometimes it just takes time it takes a lot of energy just to tell someone else or other people if you're involved with multiple people that like i want to do this with you that means we have to talk about a lot of different things literally I will probably also link this. I Starletine in general, I link a lot in the comments to these things. We've used one specific resource. We found it in part because I was also thinking of a different resource that they have there. They have uh, an article that's sort of a relationship health checklist in big essay format. And it, they format it in part as being about trying to sail the seas of healthy relationships or navigate well. 
there's there's boat metaphors um but <laughs> but i go back and read that once or twice a year i just do that because it makes me feel better because i'm a very anxious person and especially when i get very anxious one of the things that my brain does is go maybe actually everything is terrible and you're deeply unsafe and you've never made a good decision in your life and so it's nice to be able to go back to a resource that i trust and go really how am i actually doing and if there are problems can i look at what they actually are and not at a hyperinflated abstract concept of everything being very bad and that helps me a lot and i look at resources like that with people that i date scarletine also has some great resources for talking about like sexual intimacy and physical boundaries that very thoughtfully and thoroughly include not just physical acts but also how are you comfortable being described or talked about what words do you like having used about your body how much are you comfortable with another person sharing about what you do with them with other people and those are really important things to think on and engage with too. And I have, I think with the last several people I've gotten together with, gone through part or all of that checklist because it helps start conversations that are important and helps clarify for me how I'm doing. So we're not saying this is easy, but we're also saying that there are a lot of tools out there to have conversations that feel important to you. And there are a lot of resources that you can use on your own for reflecting on how you're doing, how safe you are with other people, and how safe you're being with others. To check in and see, do you feel like you're being kind? How do you feel like you express jealousy? Do you feel like you know how to do that in a way that feels okay and that you have emotional like, grounding around and control over? Because those are important things to ask yourself too. I think that covers a lot of what we need to. It does. And this felt really good. And I'm glad that we talked with each other and figured out what kind of episode we felt like we could record today. Because... Yeah, a lot of things are kind of emotionally raw and messy right now because it has just been a weird year with a lot of things in it that we couldn't predict and don't have control over. And I know for me especially that affects how much I feel like I have any reasonable right to give advice to people. But we're not the only people having a rough year, and I know that too. And so I hope that it's helpful to sit with us and listen to us think through how we're doing. We hope whatever relationships you decide to get into and also as well leave are because you feel valued as a person, because you feel you have the space, the agency, and just the capacity to know that you can do better because you deserve better, and that what you deserve at bare minimum is to be respected as a full person. You are not pitied for the people who are interested in you, and if you are, that's that's a point to just probably jump ship. Yep, to continue the boat metaphors, yes. But I think with that being said, we can lean towards our sending off. Yeah, I think we can. Do you want to be the one to do the ending, or do you want me to do it? Uh, you can do it. Okay, so, as always, our lovely viewers, I'm Angela. I'm Naomi. And as always, we are Queerly Yours. Queerly Yours is edited and produced by Naomi Bosch, with intro and outro music by Angela lemus Rodrovejo. Thank you.